Oh man, I have to apologize first and foremost because it's been two weeks since our last podcast. I feel like I feel like I've gone to the confession in a Catholic church, and, and I feel bad. You know, forgive me. It's been like three months since my last confession. I anyway, I feel bad because it's been two weeks since my last podcast, and and part of the reason why is that. There's just been so much going on in this past two weeks. I, I didn't even know where to start. And I kept on waiting for the results of this or that matter. You know, the Supreme Court decision, of course, regarding the the ballot situation in Colorado and Maine. And uh, then then I, okay, let's wait for that. And then I wanted to wait for the, uh, the, the, the Fannie Willis matter. And that, you know, let's see that. And everything just kept on piling on, including the recent judgment against Trump in the uh, New York case, the Erdogan case, where uh, he, he fined him, what, $355 million. You know, it's, it's a little bit more than I make per year. Yeah, in the entire year. Can you imagine? And uh, in addition to not let him do business for three years. It's insanity. But we'll talk about that, of course. But there was so much. And just to, as a list of things that were going on, we, we got, uh, you know, Alex Murnoff, the FBI informant, has been arrested for claiming Biden's uh, were taking bribe money. That's a lie. You know, they just, it's easy to arrest somebody, right? I mean, like what they did with all the January 6th people, we know that a lot of that is garbage. So it's easy to arrest and then claim that somehow it's true, right? You know, what, what do they say? That, uh, you know, you're innocent in this country until proven guilty, but that doesn't apply when you're a Democrat when you, and you arrest somebody who might be conservative or somebody who might be against your cause, then, then it's true. <laughs> you, could t- you could take that to the bank, right? That, anyway, there's a judgment against Trump. There's Alec- Alexei Nepali, who d- is now dead in Russia. Um, then you have the Fannie Willis talk- testimony I just told you about. Uh, then you have the Joel Osteen's uh, church, you know, attacked by a transgender, a crazy person. Uh, then the Taylor Swift the situation, the Super Bowl situation. Uh, Biden talking about greedflation and shrinkflation during the Super Bowl instead of actually having uh, an interview during the Super Bowl like they usually do. Uh, the the ballot case I just talked about, uh, Trump winning big in Nevada uh, a couple Thursdays ago on top of Nikki Haley's huge loss in the, uh, the Tuesday before, the impeachment in Mayorkas, uh, Rashida Tlaib saying that uh, we should condemn Hamas, uh, staying out of the cond- condemning Hamas and its rape tactics, uh, and also encouraging people not to vote for Trump during the upcoming tr- uh, primaries in uh, in Michigan to send a message, and then all the things associated with Israel, um, Israel giving it, uh, Biden giving Israel forty five days to comply with international violations. Uh, it, it's just so many things that you you don't even know where to begin. But I will begin. I will begin with uh, Israel first and foremost because it is fascinating to me. Uh, it, it's a reflection of where we are as we speak. The UN is trying to adopt a uh, resolution uh, to say that uh, Israel should should immediately cease fire, which of course would mean a victory for Hamas. Right? Uh, that that's the, that's the idea. Because even if ten Hamas leaders still survive, that means Hamas wins. That's that's disproportional. How about that, right? We, Israel can can defeat 99.9% of Hamas, but if it doesn't defeat 100% of it, then Hamas wins, right? Talk about disproportionality. That's the issue. Uh, you have, of course, uh, Representative uh, Tlaib saying that people should not vote for Biden. Why? Because Biden is not 
as aggressively pro-Hamas or pro-Palestinian at least, pro the the Gazans, uh, you know, and in their plight, so-called, against the Israelis. This is a plight that they brought upon themselves. Okay, they 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 punch and do these horrific things to the Israelis, and then expect no reaction, no reaction whatsoever. That's that's the job. And then they say, "Look at me! Look at look at my people! They they're all suffering." Well, but that's war. War is awful. And and you'll hear commentary later on from Kenneth Owens. I've really lost so much respect for her. She she was otherwise so smart, but I guess. I don't know that you, you can take the the woman out of liberalism, but you can't take liberalism out of out of the woman. I guess it's just, it's something something odd about this this person. I, again, I used to really respect her. I know that she still has a lot of conservative values, but she's she doesn't quite get it. We'll talk about her in a moment as well. Anyway, Talib uh, is out there saying let's let's uh, not vote for Biden because we need to send him a message. He's not clearly for the Palestinians. And we're going to show them what's what when it comes to the uh, the issues in, in Gaza and Israel. Okay, here you go. This is the way you can raise our voices. Don't make us even more invisible. Right now, we feel completely neglected, neglected and just unseen by our government. If you want us to be louder, then come here and vote uncommitted. Yeah, so... <laughs> Unseen, really? I, have you have you looked at what has been going on in the campuses? Have you seen what's going on in Europe, for that matter? Uh, have you seen the violence that's uh, effectuated against the Israelis? Uh, it, how, how in fear they operate as students, at least in in America, right? In these very liberal Ivy League universities, have you seen that you're you're somehow invisible? You're unseen. This is not good enough for you. We 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 hear your chants. We've memorized them by now, right? What do you say? Uh, from the river to the siege, Palestine shall be free. There is no such thing as Palestine, but whatever. <laughs> but but this is showing some really dramatic issues that are happening uh, when it comes to the Palestinian cause, um, and they're trying to use their exercise the weight against Biden. Look, this is not the way I want to win against Biden. <clears throat> uh, the fact that they're, the, the so-called pro-Jewish attitude by Biden, I want to encourage more pro-Jewish attitude by Biden, pro-Israel and such. But, but that somehow inures to our benefit, right? I mean, it's, it's idiotic on her part to boycott Biden one way or the other. Let's see what happens during the general election because this, this call for a boycott of, of Biden is uh, really more going to be, you know, for the primaries. So <clears throat> we'll see if she holds true to the same mantra when it comes to um, the, the, the actual general but the latest news is that Israel is pushing forth uh, and going into southern Gaza. Of course, it's been in southern Gaza for a while, uh, battling in Khan Yunus, which is a central part of uh, southern Gaza. It's not as if there's two different you know, areas, by the way. It's just geographical, northern and, and southern. There's not a specific boundary that you cross. Anyway, they're going all the way down to Rafah, which is the last town in Gaza just before the Egyptian border. Uh, they're good brethren, the Arab brethren of the um, of, of the Egyptians, they're not so interested in, in bringing their Arab brothers, the Palestinians, and taking them on as refugees one way or the other. Uh, the Israelis are pounding Rafah and basically telling them, look, we're going to find our hostages. We're also going to dismantle every single uh, person that might be associated with uh, with Hamas. And that's, uh, that's the way we're going to do it. You don't have to like it, uh, Palestinians. You don't have to like it, world. But we, we have no choice. And what the world, I think, doesn't realize, Devin, I don't think they realize 
how unified Israel is when it comes to uh, dealing with Hamas and, and destroying them. It, and this is true for liberal and conservative Israelis alike. It, it's just, they're, they're totally unified in this process. So look, they, they understand that getting the hostages is of paramount importance, but it's not at the risk of further insecurity for Israel, of uh, letting this happen once again. I think part of the reason why, Devin, they understood this is that, and they understand this so well, is the fact that uh, when we return 1,026, uh, I guess, um, Palestinian prisoners a long time ago, uh, in exchange for Gilad Shalit, one young Israeli soldier, they're all very important, of course, but 1,026 for one man, it sent a very wrong signal. I mean, it sent the signal, of course, that Israelis treasure life, and that's wonderful. Uh, of course, we do. Jews do. Uh, and there's all sorts of Torah analysis associated with the biblical analysis that, that, that says how important it is to uh, return hostages. It's, there's actually a biblical verse about this. But at the same time, uh, it's not at any expense. I mean, what if, what if the, the condition was that in exchange for this one hostage, uh, we want you to leave Israel. Just, just go. In fact, not only that, but drown yourselves in the Mediterranean Sea. Right? That, that would be absurd. So there's got to be a line that you don't cross. And you say, I, that, no, that's too much. Right? So I think 1,026 uh, terrorists in exchange for one uh, Israeli soldier, I think that was way too much. Maybe one for one. Maybe two for one. You could say three for one, as, as it has been recently for the hostages. But that's it. I, I just I can't see anything more than that. Otherwise, you send a terrible message to the bad guys, in this case Hamas and Hezbollah and so on, uh, by saying, look, we are so geared up to, to preserve life that we will, we will compromise our own security in order to get back the lives of hostages for the time being. That's, that's not a good message to send. It's obvious, right? Now, uh, I want to share with you uh, also this very bizarre thing. Candace Owens, uh, as I've mentioned, I've really lost a tremendous amount of respect for her. She, there's something, I wouldn't say evil about her, but um, here she is, you know, explaining to the world how she, you know, after telling how many Jewish friends she had in college and high school and elementary school for that matter, and how she had an, a Jewish ex-boyfriend and she worked for two Jewish partners in this finance firm and how much she respects the Jews. She goes about explaining to you and me why she's against, uh, you know, giving money to Israel and that uh, to, to say that somehow uh, giving, you know, anyone who's against giving money to Israel as an anti-Semite is, is really wrong and it shouldn't be this way and uh, I'm against this, she says. But there's something odd about her tone. Let's check this out. Is that just like black people are not a monolith, Jewish people are not a monolith. There are all different types of Jewish people and this particular people that I've been talking about, that I'm talking about right now. And, and this is the people that say that uh, her stance on not supporting Israel uh, is anti-Semitic. And uh, it is a unique thing. Uh, there's, we could talk about this for a long time, but I want you to focus on her words. And ha what she's trying to do now is she's going to make an equivalence between uh, Jews who call her anti-Semitic and those people in Black Lives Matter 
who said that every white person is a racist. Okay, it's not a fair equivalence. Here you go. Represent a fringe minority of Jewish people that want nothing more than political power. It is just like Black Lives Matter. These people are ultimately Marxists, okay? And when Black Lives Matter was going around calling everybody racist, it was this implicit threat to white people. Do what we say, do what we want, or we will ruin your life. Okay, this, this really pisses me off. So there's, there's no comparison here. I, I, to, to say that you, there's something wrong with you for not wanting to support Israel, to cut the spigot off for Israel when, when it's so good for America as well. I and mean, look, look what happened with Iran, right? We, we, we pulled out of our interests in Iran in 1979. Thank you, Jimmy Carter. Uh, and, and then Iran become, became the, the Iran that we know and love today, right? I mean, so evil, right? The, this situation in October 7 and so many other things would not have happened but for Iran and the evil of Iran, generally speaking. So here we are. And, and she's saying that somehow, if you take the position that we should, uh, that, that you're anti-Semitic if you are against giving money to Israel, and that that's, that, that, that's wrong, uh, and that's the equivalent of all of these Black Lives Matter people saying that every white person is a racist, I, I really demur to that. I reject it, flat out. It makes me angry. Anyway, continue on. That was the intention. We will ruin your effing life by smearing and libeling you and making other black people who actually aren't radicals believe that you are, in fact, racist. That is the two-pronged approach, because why else would you do this? Why else would you refer to someone who is so clearly and evidentially not a Jew hater as one? Because you want power. You want to also make Jewish people paranoid, right? You start using words. Okay, so a lot of things to unpack here. First of all, it's not the same thing. Uh, this is not about power, right? And, and so two things. One thing you can't do with Jews is, is uh, gaslight them. You really can't. You can't tell most Jews that somehow uh, the world is coming against them and uh, they, they really believe it. They, they actually look underneath the surface. They scratch way beyond the surface. And they're much more cynical. And, and they should be. It's a healthy skepticism. So to, to, to equate this, with the rabble-rousers of Black Lives Matter who say that everyone is a racist unless they're black themselves. I, no, it's just, I, I completely reject this. So this idea that we Jews are being duped one way or the other, you know, the, reg, the regular Jews among us, and that the people who are saying this, that she's anti-Semitic for this, are somehow only seeking power, or are Marxists, she actually said, that, that they're Marxists, right? I, I can tell you one thing, I, I'm many things, but one thing I'm not is a Marxist, okay? So that's a nice way for her to push back, but I, I don't buy it. Now, by the way, she had Normal Finkelstein, who is a, a Jew, uh, who is a very strong anti-Israel Jew, uh, who equates Israel to the Nazis and terrible things. Uh, so, and she, she kind of had him on in a loving sort of way, not, not to debate him, but to listen to him to encourage him to speak out and to give a different perspective. One, a perspective that you and I may not have heard. Yeah, that's right. Why can't we just listen to his ever so reasonable tone and words? Why, why? Let's continue on. It's like the Holocaust is gonna be back. And, and of course, if you're a Jewish person, you hear that, you, you wanna go, oh my gosh, like what is it? What should we be fighting? I want, I, we gotta fight that thing because I don't want another Holocaust. It's the same thing with BLM, right? You, you, they go to black people and they freak them out 
And they say, oh my gosh, you got to join our movement or slavery is going to be back. We're going to be back in chains. Of course, that's not reality. That's not real. That is emotional manipulation and the worst kind. It's evil is what it is. These individuals. Yeah, so it's evil. See, so people who claim that what she did in giving platforms for anti-Israel Jew haters is it, when we call her out on it, then, then our calling her out on it is evil, right? I do think it's anti-Semitic, whether she realizes it or not. And, and this whole concept, I have many Jewish friends, right? I mean, I, that, that has been so demon... I, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, that's been so debunked. That, that phraseology is so absurd. That, you know, I, I'm not anti-Semitic because I have a lot of Jewish friends. Yeah. I'm not racist because I have a, bl- a lot of black friends. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. It's such a, so she, she goes with her uh, Jewish bona fides uh, that is just so palpably wrong, right? She's only trying to protect herself. She spends this entire podcast doing this. But look, she, she's not only somebody who supports um, uh, Norma Finkelstein and other uh, arguments in be, on behalf of uh, the anti-Israel crowd. She also made this argument, and I think I played it before, where she said that uh, the Muslim quarter is is a reflection of Jewish apartheid, right? Because th- this is the only place where Muslims are allowed to be and live, right? The Muslim quarter. You you Muslims, you belong there, right? <laughs> it's so absurd. She di- she didn't even bother researching this basic aspect, right? It, it's like a Chinatown, lady. Don't you get that? We, there's a Chinatown in San Francisco. Is that where? The, chi- the only place where Chinese are allowed to go and do business, right? Oh, no, Chinatown, that's where you belong. <laughs> so, it, but, but she didn't even stop to think. Like she, she thought she was the first person to present this idea. There's a Muslim quarter, therefore, the, that's a reflection of, uh, of Israeli apartheid. Nobody makes this argument, but she's the first genius, the genius to make it. And, but she stuck to it. She didn't even apologize. She didn't even say, you know what? I, I may have misunderstood that. I, it seems a little silly. Of course not. I understand that. But you know what? She has many Jewish friends. So, you know, go, go figure. All right. Let's, let's take another clip from this because it also shows you uh, how she's uh, angry about her being called anti-Semitic or, or anti-Israel because she's not supportive of sending money to Israel. So listen to later on in this podcast uh, where she talks exactly about that. So why aren't we applying that economic common sense when it comes to sending money overseas? Not wanting to do that is, like I said, common sense. It is not anti-Semitism. And so I want to be very clear, by the way, on some other aspects of this. The implicit threat always when you get into politics is that you are not allowed to have any nuance. You have to be for something or against something. I will never, ever, ever be that person. I think, as you've heard me say on this show, that it is really sad that there are Israeli families that are missing. Of course, that are, it's sad because they're innocent civilians and they shouldn't be involved in a conflict. Okay, so I wonder what she's going to say next, right? I just wonder. <laughs> so first, she's going she's gonna to say how, how she appreciates and understands and sympathizes with their plight, uh, understandable, but right, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hear this 
but that is bigger than Lizzo's. Okay, that's 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 how big it's going to be. Yeah, that big. Yeah, Devin's like looking at me like he's a little bit eyebrowed uh, at this point. He's a little bit concerned by what I'm saying. But no, it really it's it's ridiculous. Just hear what she now has to say, and I wonder what it is. It also pulls at my heartstrings. It makes me cry when I see the footage all over Twitter of Palestinian children that are being bombed into oblivion. When I see their missing parts of their body and this implicit threat. Don't say it's sad. You're not allowed to say it's sad. It is sad. Okay, so well, we'll continue on a little bit more after this. But so she says that it's sad, it's sad, uh, and, and it pulls at her heartstrings. Of course it does. It's designed to do that. Who do you think is taking these videos? right? There's plenty of videos to go around with smartphone technology these days. And, and this, is, this is war. Lady, this is war. War is never pretty. It never works out the way you want to. There's always unexpected consequences for one thing. But it's one thing you always know is that there will be civilian casualties. That's the way of war. We bombed Dresden. I don't know how many millions of people uh, that we killed. They were all civilians. The entire town was civilian. It was firebombed to bloody hell, okay, both by the British and the Americans. We bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki, okay? How many millions, how many hundreds of thousands, I think, did we kill there? And it was the right thing to do. It was. It was the moral thing to do. Prager U has this, this clip on this. It was the right thing to do. You can pull your heartstrings all you want, okay? It, every single one person makes you want to cry. I don't want anyone innocent to die. Putting aside the question, and I really want to put it aside, that so many of the Palestinian so-called civilians are actually in on the game of Hamas. They imagine there's a separation between Hamas soldiers and terrorists who've done this horrific stuff in southern Israel and the rest of the Gazan civilians who are just innocent people like you and me who are just trying to sell beads and fruit and, and nuts, you know, on the street, and they just want to get their, the kids to college and want to make sure that they get medical care and everything else. They're just like you and me, but they're not, you know, they're just not. And they hate Israel just as much as Hamas, uh, the, 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 the fighters in the, in, the, in the forefront hate him. There's no separation. There's a reason why Hamas won, because the people voted for them. Yeah. That's the reason. And then they're ever so surprised now that the Israelis come in and, and bomb these buildings. And yeah, that there are uh, civilian casualties. But are these really civilians? They, 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 Hamas, even they themselves, Palestinians, say that it's okay to kill Israeli civilians. Why? Because every single Israeli is a potential soldier. Yeah, even the young ones. Therefore, it's okay. All right, so what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I'm not saying that I, I like this. I don't. But what I do know is that Israel has no choice. Israel has to bomb Gaza. And it's doing so in a very, uh, <clears throat> shall we say, surgical sense, very efficient sense, but more, more importantly, more careful. And, and they walk on eggshells. They, they tell everyone to get out before they bomb the buildings, right? They have these knock-knock bombs where they literally just you know, tap onto the, the, the roof of these buildings that they plan to blow up, warning people, whoever it might be inside, to get the hell out of it because we're about to bomb it. And then they tell them, leave. But who doesn't let them leave? Hamas. They don't let them leave. They don't let their own people leave. Why? Because they cynically want to make sure 
that their own people are killed so they can use that for propaganda later on. And that's exactly what they've been doing. And suckers like Candace Owen get sucked in, into it. That's it. It's, it's the end of she's, I mean, but she's a bright person, right? She, she's one of the smart ones. And she herself gets sucked into it. But th- th- this is so funny. This, this woman who <clears throat> claims everyone else gets manipulated and it's all about power and it's all about Marxism and such like that, right? And here she is doing it herself. She's getting swayed by that, by that minority that she claims is, is acting to call her anti-Semitic and such. But, but she's getting played herself, much more so than any of us Jews are getting played. And no one plays us. No one. Okay, I, I got to tell you, we have some Jews that are uh, anti-Israel, that they're literally a handful. They're idiots. They're useful idiots. They don't know anything about Judaism, by the way. I doubt that they actually go to synagogue. But even if they do, there's such a tiny fringe of them that it's, not, it's nothing close to Black Lives Matter. Nothing. All right? You, you won't see this kind of level of stupidity uh, among Jews. It just, it just doesn't exist. Let's continue. Of course it's sad. What kind of a monster are you if you don't think children being blown up is sad? You, you've become what you hate. Right? You, you are literally no longer a good person if you see a child that is growing up in that sort of existence anywhere and you feel nothing, that you feel that they somehow deserve it because of the actions of their government, really, right? We have no say over what our government is doing. If one day a group raises up and decides to bomb America, could you imagine if people said, it's not sad, American children are dying. It's just not sad at all. Okay, so I, I guess this is a fair point to stop. It, this idea that's so sad, it's so sad, you know, and, and we, we don't have a heart. And, and she, she's telling us, and she straw mans the argument. All she's saying is that if you don't think like me, in fact, if that, in fact she tells you what you were thinking, that you, you think that there's nothing to consider here, that, that they deserve it and end a story, right? No, look, our position is it's an awful situation, but we have no choice. Hamas, you've done this to yourselves. Every single hostage. I mean, you have, in nowhere in this, in this podcast does she say, look, Hamas, why don't you just surrender? If you really want to support your people, just surrender, all of you Hamas bastards, and release all the hostages. That's it. All this suffering can end. But you decided to keep the hostages because you think it's great leverage. And you decided not only to keep the hostages, but you've made hostages of your own people in Gaza so they could use it, again, cynically, for propaganda purposes. Nowhere is this discussed or touched upon by Candace Owens in this glorious video of her. But, but you know what? She's very righteous about it. She, she sure talks about nuance. There's no nuance here. She thinks she's talking about nuance, but she's not. And there's, there's no greater distinction, by the way, between good and evil than your position when it comes to Israel versus Hamas. If you support Hamas, then you're an idiot. Okay, it is black and white when it comes to Israel and Hamas. You, you, you threw the, the ball out there. You, you, you made the first punch. And I would say far more than that, you, you, you would throw the evil out there. That there was there was no reason for Hamas to do what it did, but but then they're surprised, so surprised, and now it's all is it's it's on Israel. 
that it's doing something horrific and such. Well, you're just wrong, Candace Owens. And you're, you are the useful idiot. You are the one being manipulated. All right, enough about her. She, she makes me sick. Really, I'm just, I'm, I'm so surprised. I, I really used to like her. I, I thought she was the new it girl and such, but it only goes to show that, I, like I said, you, you, you can pull her out of the liberal crowd, but you can't pull the liberalism out of her. I don't know, maybe liberalism is like a cancer. You know, it, it goes into remission. And every once in a while, it rears its ugly head again, I, I guess. Anyway, enough about Candace Owens. I want to talk a, a little bit more about Tlaib because she made this very interesting comment. When there was some sort of vote against the <clears throat> condemnation of Hamas and its rape tactics in particular. So she, she stayed out of it. Everyone else said, you know, that, that's not cool. That's bad stuff. Uh, but for her, you know, she abstains, right? So here's the question, Devin. Does she say support rape? Rape is okay, you know, depending on the context in some cases. Maybe like killing is okay if it's in self-defense or in war, right? So maybe there's there's a rape exception. I don't know. Yes, maybe Hamas was raping all those women and children in self-defense somehow. Yeah, that's, that's the self-defense defense for rape. You, you, don't know, you don't know, Devin, you judgmental bastard. Yeah. Anyway, so... Talib also says that uh, everyone should vote not committal, like we just showed. Uh, th- this woman is, um, there's something wrong with her. She should be voted out of office, but she won't be because she's in a very Democrat uh, district for one thing and a very pro-Palestinian district uh, for another. It's a big problem. But you know what is not a big problem for Donald J. Trump? Uh, this recent judgment that was entered against him by this uh, Ergonoff guy at 450, no, $355 million. Uh, wow, I, I almost said 450. That would be like too much, I guess. 350, much more reasonable. So the, he enters this judgment, not only for $350 million, but also interest at 9% per year, which is a huge amount. Uh, it's already at $370 million if he is to post a bond. Then uh, you have um, that he cannot control his own finances, his own company for three years. They're going to have this effective receiver to be able to uh, take control of the Trump um, business. So a bunch of things to say here. First of all, the, the decision itself is insane. We, we all know it. We, we know that there was no plaintiff, right? There, the state of New York is, does not constitute a plaintiff. Uh, there, were, there were no damages, right? I mean, the banks that, you know, to whom he supportedly defrauded uh, did not come forth with anything other than to support him um, and say, this is the way business is done, for one thing. Uh, and, and the valuation issue is nonsense. This is what he thinks it's valued at, but he's telling them specifically in disclaimers, go ahead and do your own due diligence, which they would do anyway, and which they did do. And guess what? They made a lot of money, a lot of money. So there was no, there was no plaintiff. There was no damages. Uh, and there was, there was no defrauding because in order to defraud anybody... <laughs> You have to have somebody on the receiving end who reasonably relies on the false statement to his or her detriment. That, that's the way it works. You, so you don't have anything associated with the elements of fraud. Nothing. Zero. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm a lawyer. Yes, you know. So fraud is that there are elements to every cause of action. Like, for example, breach of contract. If it showed there's a, there's a contract, there was a breach of the contract, a material one. And that 
material breach of contract led to damages. Those are the three basic prongs of a breach of contract cause of action. For, for fraud, you have to show that there is a statement made a mat- that, that was materially false, materially, okay, important, uh, and the person receiving it reasonably relied on the statement, okay? And he did so to his or her detriment, all right? There's so many examples I can give, but you, you don't have to, to think about that, right? If I, if I tell you, hey, look, you know, Charlie, um, give me some, give me a million dollars and uh, I will uh, give you, you know, half the moon, okay? If you, if you, <laughs> if you rely on that, it, it, that would not be reasonable, right? <laughs> It'd be stupid on your part, but you can't say that the person was defrauded in that context because it's not reasonable reliance. Anyway, there's no plaintiff, no damages, no reasonable reliance, no person who actually did anything to his detriment. But other than that, it was a great case. 355 million freaking dollars. And look, the, the reason why this is happening, they, the judge knows that the, there's no case. This guy, uh, Ergodon, no, he knows it. Okay, so why did he do it? Why did he grant summary judgment before the case even went to this second damages phase? Why? Why? Because he's a true believer. He believes that Trump is evil incarnate. He believes he's Hitler. Okay? Hitler and Stalin combined. And so by executing this judgment against Trump, he's doing his part against Hitler and Stalin. You see? This is the mindset that he has. He thinks he's doing his part to save civilization, democracy, and everything else, okay? He, he thinks he's saving the planet, no less. So he's doing his part. And yes, he knows he's going to be reversed on appeal. He will be reversed on appeal. This is not a, you know, I think he'll be reversed on appeal. It depends on what the appellate court thinks, you know, how they, they, they consider this an abuse of discretion. No, no, he will be reversed. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Okay, just like, like the sun will rise tomorrow, this guy will be reversed. The question is, how long will it take for him to be reversed? But that almost doesn't matter. He knows it's going to take at least half a year, a year, two years. It won't matter. Because for him, when it does become a reversal, you know, he'll shrug his shoulders. Yeah, next, he did his part. He wants to create a roadblock for Donald J. Trump in his glorious campaign, because he's so, he's so popular, Trump, that he has to do something. That, that's the nature of the true believer. And there are, unfortunately, a lot of them when it comes to the leftist ideology. They, 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 they're everywhere. And uh, they're in politics, of course. They're in academia. They're, they're in the sciences. They're in elementary schools. They're even uh, in, in sports now, as you know. They're in entertainment. They're everywhere. They've taken control of every institution you can think of. And if there is an institution they haven't taken care over, they're aiming for it. Yes, even the churches. That's right. Everyone wants to be kumbaya. Everyone wants to look like they're reasonable. Nobody wants to be canceled. So they, they bow. They, they, they're sheep. That's, uh, that's what they do. All right. Uh, this judgment, anyway, will be uh, just another one. The, the, the funny thing about it is that it only inures to the benefit of Trump in the long run. So what does he do? It's, it, you know, this judge, just doesn't, he only thinks two-dimensionally. He doesn't think like Trump. 
Trump is out there. You think he's going to sell off some of his businesses to pay for this bond? Of course not. Of course not. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to... He's, got, he's selling his controlling interest in, uh, um, what is it called? Uh, Truth Social, right? To another entity. I forget which one. It's $8 billion. He's going to net $4 billion or so. Even if it was $1 billion, that's, that's more than enough, well more than enough to take care of this bond, for one thing. Secondly, he's, he's selling these shoes. I mean, and if it's not shoes, it'll be pens. If it's not pens, it'll be bowling balls. I don't know. And, 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 and he'll sell them for $400 a pop. And people will pay for it. <laughs> what, will they, what will happen then? Well, <laughs> will New York State, the prosecutor, what's her name? Will she go out and sue him again? <laughs> saying the bowling, ball, the bowling balls weren't worth $400 each after all. <laughs> and he defrauded them too, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just thought, oh, what, what nonsense. These people are such, they're such true believers. And everything they do backfires on them in the end. So he's going to get the money. It won't be any problem at all. And there's even a GoFundMe page to, to help Trump. This billionaire that, that I should give $10 to this GoFundMe page. And you know what? I might do that. <laughs> I thought about that. I'm going to give $10 to a billionaire so that he could, he could post a bond. <laughs> I, I really might do it, Devin. Because I support him. We should all support him. Yes, everyone. And he'll raise a lot of money that way. Maybe not the full $355 million, but he'll raise a lot of money. It'll be more than a drop in that bucket. <laughs> I just, and he's getting more popular as a result. And, and they, they see it. They, you know, Biden is now, what, behind, in, I think, in every single of the seven swing states. Some by 2%, some by 5%, but whatever, he's... Biden is way behind, and they have nothing they can do about this. All right, speaking about Biden, so you've got uh, big problems for him. So let's, let's talk about what's happening with the FBI informant. His name, um, what is his name? Yeah, Alex uh, Smirnoff. He was the one who was just arrested recently. Why? Because he was accused of lying to the FBI. Yes, lying to the FBI. Uh, <laughs> that pisses me off so much. The Christopher Steele dossier dossier it sounds so, so much more fancy it's a it's a folder you know you can buy it in, in uh, cvs you know it's a, suddenly as soon as you put an important piece of paper in it it becomes a dossier right instead of just a folder anyway the dossier uh he lied right he, he told this to the fbi the fbi ran with it and and it created this two-year-long investigation that cost uh, american taxpayers 40 million dollars if not more and and he gets away free nobody calls for his arrest but this guy, Alex Smirnoff, who's pointing out that Biden received a hell of a lot of money from China and Ukraine and otherwise, uh, somehow he lied to the FBI. They're not quite clear as, as to exactly how he lied. Maybe, maybe he said that it was a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday. Uh, that's, that's sort of a lie. That's technically a lie. Uh, and now all of a sudden he's, a, he's, a, he's arrested. And now he can't be a, a witness at this impeachment hearing. First of all, how is that possible? I don't understand that. Be, just because you're under arrest or you've been indicted, you, you cannot testify. So I don't know if, that, if that's the game plan, but regardless, uh, maybe it's designed to uh, dilute his credibility or question his credibility when he actually does testify at some point. But they, they, big massive evidence is coming out against Biden, particularly that James Biden, his brother, had been receiving a lot of money from China and Ukraine and otherwise. 
Um, and it also looks like James Biden then kind of kicked back some of that money back to, to Joe Biden. But let's, let's say that Joe Biden didn't receive a penny. So what? So what? Do you, do you really think that we're to believe that China gave Joe Biden and Hunter Biden money for that matter and other family members of the Biden family thinking that they were just giving it to them out of the goodness of their hearts, that there was no quid pro quo for this, that somehow uh, Biden, Joe Biden would be encouraged, would not be encouraged to, to influence foreign policy in the favor of China or Ukraine or whatever, Romania? Really? <laughs> I mean, come on. It, 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 talk about false representations. It's, it's so absurd. Nobody believes it. And they know that they've got a big matzo ball problem on their hands. They know it. They, they've got to do something about it. And so they, they arrested Alex Smirnoff. It's, it's really that quite simple. All right. So there's also the, the, the trial uh, against Trump for the election interference, uh, alleged in, ele- election interference regarding the ballots and so on. Uh, and then Fannie Willis, I guess that's the pr- correct pronunciation, Fannie Willis, uh, decides that she's going to appear in court. I, I saw this live and suddenly Fannie Willis appears out of nowhere. I don't know whether she was coked up or drunk or or high, but she certainly was outside of herself because she must have heard testimony. Wade, her ex-lover, that must have rubbed her the wrong way, and she decided to race into the court and set the record straight. Yes, I mean it, it looked. She looked nuts, uh, like I said. So. Anyway, so she comes in and she starts testifying. She waives her right to complain about the subpoena one way or the other. And here she is. And now she's submitted to the jurisdiction of the court. That's a fancy phrase in in legalese, but that's the way it is. It means that you're ready to to testify and ready to be sworn under oath and be compelled to continue to to swear under oath. Anyway, here's some of her, just some of her crazy testimony. So your office objected to us getting um, Delta records for flights that you may have taken. Well, no, no, I object to you getting records. You've been intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. So my question. Yeah, so you, this is one of her defiant moments that, I think a lot of people on the left thought was somehow glorious and really reflected how tough she was, Fonnie Wills, but she looked crazy. And uh, you know, I'm not even going to comment about the other strange things about her appearance uh, that uh, you know are salacious and gossipy. <clears throat> the, bed, the dress was backwards. Uh, nothing, nothing at all. I'm not going to say anything like that. Um, I'm just. I really want to focus on the evidence that she failed to present and failed to argue, and instead to try to deflect all the time. The, the fact is that this Fonnie Willis uh, evidentiary hearing as to whether she should be disqualified was really a, a bizarre moment in time. There's almost no way that this judge can do anything other than disqualify her. Uh, my my whole point about this is not so much that she should be disqualified on the grounds that she had this relationship, which which is a good ground to disqualify her, no doubt about it. I mean, it, yes, she had a relationship. It's clear that she had a relationship with this uh, Wade guy before she appointed him as the prosecutor for this case against Trump. Yes, that, that is grounds. But there's an additional ground. Now that we've heard from their testimony, both Wade and uh, Fannie Willis, they, they look stupid. I mean, they're just, they, they look crazy and stupid. I, if I were the judge, I would say, I'm disqualifying you on the grounds of incompetence. 
on the grounds of sheer stupidity. You, you don't belong prosecuting one of the most important cases in the country going on right now. And, and you guys are, are lying about cash this and cash that and uh, trying to cover things up. I, I, it's embarrassing for everyone. So I think in the interests of just good appearances before the American public, uh, and for that matter, the world, you, you should get rid of these people and actually put somebody competent. Now, part of me wants them to stay. <laughs> what, what are you, Devin's looking at me like, are you crazy? Yeah, a part of me wants them to stay because they're so incompetent that the chances that they'll, they'll actually be able to build a case against Donald Trump with his very smart lawyers uh, is very small. I don't know that, that they can actually survive a defense of Donald Trump and his really very intelligent lawyers. So maybe we want them to stay. It's, it's like, be careful what you want, right? You might, might actually get some really competent prosecutors. But there's also a good chance, I think, that uh, they will dismiss the case and maybe not even bring it up again. And the reason why they may not even bring it up again is that they know every time they do bring a new case or revive a case, as might be in this case, that it only inures to the benefit of Trump's popularity. That's it, right? So here's another reason why I think... They, the judge should disqualify uh, this person, these, these people. Not only were they incompetent um, in the way they handled themselves, comported themselves, they couldn't even answer questions correctly or, or decently. Not only did they have this romantic relationship, which was so obvious to everyone else, but there's one more thing. The, the fact that, that Wade himself clearly doesn't have any experience. I think, I think he has a, a PI attorney. Right? I mean, it's like, it's like you know, asking me to somehow do a ta- tax audit. I don't do any tax law. I don't know anything about tax law. I don't know anything about criminal law. If you were to throw me into the wolves and, and, and start you know, either to prosecute somebody or to uh, defend somebody in a criminal context, I, I, I would wander around like a blind man. I, I would have no idea what to do. I know, I know great criminal lawyers. I could refer uh, anybody who needs criminal advice to a criminal attorney, a criminal defense attorney, but that's about it. That's all. That's that's my skill. Is I know people. That's about it. But this guy, a PI, means personal injury attorney. It, why why did they throw him in there? I, 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 can someone explain that to me? I don't know if if it was even discussed at this disqualification hearing, because I don't think it was relevant to the issue. But boy, that would be interesting if if they were to ever discuss this. This doesn't make any sense. So it's another reason why. So we are waiting for the um, determination of the judge as to whether or not Fannie Wills uh, will be disqualified. I think that she will be disqualified. I don't say that with 100% conviction. I would say, I don't know, 75%. More than likely, she'll be disqualified. But I've been surprised before. But here we are waiting for yet another decision when it comes to Trump. Uh, and I, I guess I could have waited for that. <laughs> but but if I waited for that and then and then opine about that uh, decision by the court, then there would be something else that's waiting in the wings for another decision to come out. I, I would wait forever. This is such an unusual time, Devin. So bizarre that so many things are happening all at the same time. It's, and it's you just can't – you, you end up doing nothing on account of there's, there being so many things to do. It's like that huge to-do list that you have. I don't know. It's a, you, you wake up in the morning and there's like 350 things to do, okay? <laughs> and you just don't know where to start. So you don't do anything. <laughs> that's the way I feel about it. All right. Well, that's funny, Willis. It is a joke uh, what happened and it's embarrassing for the American uh, jurisprudence 
and I think it's, you know, they, they have the expression, you should never see sausage being made or justice being dispensed because, um, man, oh man, it's, uh, doesn't look pretty. I, it, it, if you had any sort of, uh, illusions about the grandeur of the judicial process, especially when it comes to the public settings and public figures like Donald Trump, uh, and, and how they accuse him and then take him to task, uh, I, I'm sure all those, um, illusions or delusions of grandeur have been shattered at this point. It should be. All right. Uh, you've got this uh, crazy story of Robert Hur's uh, final report regarding his evaluation of whether or not to proceed against Joe Biden in an investigation regarding uh, his nefarious dealings with Russia, Ukraine, and China. Uh, and, and all the money laundering that I think was going, the, the bribes and the take ba- the kickbacks and everything else. I, I think it's very clear, but that's another story. What, what, I, what I think doesn't matter. But Robert Hur decides not to pursue this. He's a Republican guy. But he, he, in his report, he says very politely, part of the reason, in fact, probably a major part of the reason is that he thinks that a jury may not find Biden guilty on account of the fact that he appears to be an elderly man that uh, is not able to remember anything and they'll take pity on him. And as a consequence, he doesn't think it's a, it's a smart idea to move forward with this because a good prosecutor knows never to push a case that he thinks they can't possibly win. So, uh, and, and that's true, that there's something truth to that. Um, a prosecutor is supposed to do justice. In other words, to take a case only that he feels is right uh, and that promotes justice and to uh, dismiss cases where he feels that they will and not do the right thing, and, and somebody innocent might be thrown to jail. Uh, but it also, it, it's, they're also supposed to take into account the possibility of prevailing. Can they get a conviction? If they can't, uh, they should not take the case on. Anyway, he's made that decision. But look how uh, Biden responds to uh, these very issues. He, he first takes a victory lap, saying, I've been exonerated. <laughs> no, you haven't been exonerated, Mr. President. You haven't. They've just decided not to pursue you. That doesn't mean that they found you to be innocent. Anyway, on that score, I think they took him out to the woodshed. Um, but look look how uh, Peter Ducey has to uh, deal. He asks a question. I'm, I'm impressed that Joe Biden actually takes a question from Peter Ducey, but cause he must know that bad things are, are about to happen. And sure enough, that's what happened here. Take it away. Something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because... In his description, you are a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president, I put this country back on its feet. I don't need his recommendation. It's How totally bad out. is your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad, I let you speak. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's what I'm All right, so he didn't quite get the, uh, the, the laugh that he expected out of that. Uh, th- this was, of course, very embarrassing for Biden, uh, not just because he didn't get a laugh, but because uh, he's basically repeating what uh, the um, Robert Hur has said about him, that he's an elderly man, uh, that he's you know, well, well-intentioned and such. Then he starts defending his record, and then he says, well, look, uh, my memory is not so bad uh, because uh, you know, it, it's so bad I, I let you speak as if somehow that was relevant at all. But it's embarrassing for the president, isn't it? Let's continue on. It's gotten worse, Mr. No, president. My memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory, take a look at what I've done since I've become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. 
Okay, well, whatever. I mean, it's, it's not, that has nothing to do with his memory or, or his ability to communicate. I mean, he, he's tripping over himself. He's going the wrong directions. He's forgetting people's names. He, he mixed up the, the names of the leaders of um, Egypt and Mexico at one point, and then he forgot that uh, uh, Mitterrand and uh, Helmut Kohl were dead, <laughs> right? I, it, it's, it's becoming ridiculous, and the, 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 the Democrat Party doesn't know what to do. They, they themselves are now beginning to talk about the bad news that's going on here, and they don't, they don't know what to do with him. Um, shall they replace him? They, they don't know. I, I, but, but here's the problem, and you may, you may wonder yourself as a, as a listener, look, uh, you know, maybe Gavin Newsom will come in. Maybe Michelle Obama will come in. Maybe uh, Gretchen Whitmer from, from uh, Michigan will come in. Uh, maybe some other Democrat governor will come in. But the problem with that is that, I mean, look, there's a lot of competent people out there. I mean, we disagree with their politics, but at least they know how to put sentences together. They know which stage left to, to what stage left means, uh, and they know how to read a teleprompter, and they, they remember who's dead and who's not. That's, there are plenty of those people. Okay, but here's, here's the problem. The problem is it's so late in the game that for anybody who seriously wants to consider the presidency at this point would mean that they will almost certainly lose because Donald Trump, of course, is very popular. He's a steam engine that's just going to go forward and, and just he's going to steamroll rather over everybody. And they, they are very whoever it is, he or she will almost certainly lose. So they're not really keen on running uh, and, and will not take up the mantle for the Democrat Party because, after all, they're going to lose. And nobody likes to be a loser when they're running for president. They, you know, it's one thing to have a, a serious shot. It's another thing when you know that 90% chance you're going to lose. 90%. So they don't want that in their, in their resume, as it were. Okay, that, that's problem number one. Problem number two is that if somehow they still, they did replace uh, Biden with somebody, you know, person X, okay, well, isn't that an admission that A, not only is he mentally incompetent, but it also calls into question all of his policies. So they're basically saying, yeah, you are right, Republicans. You know, he's, he's incompetent, he's mentally incap- incapacitated, and probably his policies were pretty disastrous. That, that's, you were right when it comes to Afghanistan, immigration, when it comes to inflation, uh, when it comes to the uh, transgender stuff, when it comes to the global warming stuff, the EV stuff, all that stuff. You were right. And we're just going to have to reinvent ourselves and we're going to be, person X is now in charge. They, they are not willing to do that. So what I'm saying is they almost have no choice but to move forward with Biden. And there's talk about the Democrat convention. They'll, they'll choose somebody else. Okay, it's possible. It's possible. But whoever they choose is going to not want to be involved. He's, that person will be a Hubert Humphrey. I guess it, it's, it's just not going to look good at the end of the day. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it, it does seem like they're trying to gear up for Kamala Harris as a possible, possible uh, president uh, once they ask Joe Biden to step aside. I don't know that they're trying to um, groom her for purposes of showing what a great vice president she'll continue to be if you vote for Joe Biden. I don't think so. But whoever Joe Biden's uh, vice presidential nominee 
is, and I I presume it's Kamala Harris still, um, he or she is going to have to present him or herself as competent, as somebody who was who's going to be a, a good replacement for Joe Biden, because after all, there's a very good chance that Joe Biden will be asked to step off the stage, uh, hopefully not fall off of it, but to step off the stage um, after he is, God forbid, elected president or reelected president in 2024. And if that's the case, then everyone knows that he's going to be stepping aside. So is it Kamala Harris who's going to take over? Whoever the VP is, that's got to be the person. That's going to be the most important decision that you'll be making. Is it a good decision? So the Democrats are now presenting Kamala Harris. And they have this opportunity when they get reports from this Alexei Navalny, uh, who was the main opposition leader in uh, Russia, who was. He was imprisoned and they uh, either they beat him up or they starved him or they poisoned him. But anyway, he's dead. And now they take this opportunity to have uh, Kamala Harris speak about it. Uh, she happened to be in Munich at the time. So here she is speaking about it and she's sounding oh so serious. Uh, pay attention to her words and her stamina and her eloquence. Uh, she's, she's actually, she actually makes a good effort at articulation here. That Alexei Navalny has died in Russia. This is of course terrible news, which we are working to confirm. My prayers are with his family, including his wife, Yulia, who is with us today. And if confirmed, this would be a further sign of Putin's brutality. Whatever story they tell, let us be clear, Russia is responsible. And we will have more to say on this later. Okay, so this is the first time that I'm hearing Kamala Harris sound in any way competent and presidential. It is clear to me that they are sending her out there saying, this is, let's see this, seize this opportunity for purposes of uh, showing, showcasing how articulate and how poised you are and how presidential you are. So, you know, she read from a teleprompter. I mean, it's good that she knows how to do that. Uh, I don't, I don't dismiss that. I, I'm sure I would read from a teleprompter too, but I'm, the point is that you know, she's talking about it and, and it's clear this is the first time that she heard about it. It's okay because it was new news at the time. But it's nice to see that she can be decently articulate when reading from a teleprompter, of course, and she lays off the, uh, the Mary Jane for a moment or two. Yes, I, I said that. I, I think she's a pot smoker. In every other respect, I think she, she enjoys the, the Mary Jane quite a bit. And you can see it from her uh, slip-ups and the way that she talks and, and her mannerisms, I, I think she's, you know, she falls off the wagon all the time. And this is a, a day where she finally was able to be articulate. Anyway, good for her, but I think that's the real reason why they're doing this. Okay, a uh, very important uh, issue about uh, Biden talking about the reasons why things are bad from an eco- economic point of view. He calls it greedflation and shrinkflation um, during the Super Bowl. Let's let's hear it from his own words. Super Bowl Sunday. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. Yeah, yeah, you tell them to joke. Go, go, go. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging it just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size. Oh, man, he's telling it like it is, people. He's, he's doing it. But not in price. 
I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. Me too. Thank you for bringing this up. This has been the compelling issue of the day. And now you are finally giving voice to what we're all thinking. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. Yeah, you know what? I did notice. I did. And thank you, Mr. President, for noticing. God, it's a, you're like a breath of fresh air, sir. Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing now. Yes, yes, yes. Do it now. That's right. It's not, not the, the border crisis. Now, that, that's, that's something. We, we need to fix that. That's for sure. Not, not the war by Hamas, against, against Hamas and, and the Ukrainian situation or the Chinese uh, you know, influence into America and all that stuff. It, it, you know, that, that is good to, to deal with at some point. But please, please, for the love of God, let's get our priorities in order. Shrinkflation must be tackled right now. <laughs> I mean, it, it boggles the mind, right? You have, a, you have this one opportunity. What is it? 120 million uh, Americans or people throughout the world are watching. This is your opportunity to speak to the world about something important. Yes, you know, pay lip service to the glory of the Super Bowl and it's great to have competition. Uh, but then speak of your mind about important things that you're, you, you indeed are also trying to tackle. And use that word. We're trying to tackle, you know, global warming. We're trying to tackle... Uh, I don't know, world hunger and so on like that. But no, no, it's all about shrinkflation. <laughs> the other thing he says uh, is about greedflation because yeah, I guess, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll talk about everything except for Bidenflation, which is, you know, what he actually created. So greedflation is, is another way to tackle, you know, and blame somebody else. Uh, in this case, he wants to say that uh, all these corporate uh, entities are trying to uh, make a lot of money and uh, in the process they're charging people way too much and uh, it's their fault, you see. It's not the massive amount of money that we spent uh, on the COVID relief and other programs and all the other uh, pork uh, programs. No, no, no. It's, it's not that at all. It's, it's you know, <laughs> too, too uh, few people ch- chasing too many dollars. So it's going to be a huge, massive inflation uptick. And that's what happened. But he, he's looking for opportunities. It's always about greed somehow. So let me get this straight. So it wasn't about greed when America first started capitalism, right? I mean, is, why, why now? Why did the corporation suddenly become greedy? When people want to talk about greed, okay, then how do you measure that, first of all? And then you have to answer the question, why is it happening now when it's so convenient for you to blame it on them uh, now? You know, it, please tell us the, the compelling forces that happened, the, the events that happened. Of course, he can't say anything to that effect. Anyway, the, the media, of course, the, the mainstream media laps it all up and they, of course, want to talk about it and say it as if it's a real thing. Every year, Americans spend billions of dollars on snacks consumed during the Super Bowl. You saw we did it the same thing mm-hmm. yesterday. So President Biden used the occasion to call on companies to stop shrinkflation. That refers to when businesses reduce the size of their products without lowering the price. In a video he posted to X, the president said that the practice is a ripoff and says companies should do the right thing. I'm with you on that. It seems those bags of chips, they're big, but there's hardly anything in them. Yes, yes. It, it, they're big. Have you noticed it too? Yeah, me too. Yeah, he's, he's got a good point there. And, and notice how they started off by saying President Biden used the occasion as if somehow this is the moment that he was waiting for to talk about this all-important issue of shrinkflation. 
you know, the sincerity or the lack of it uh, is so palpable here. And people just eat it up. They just, or they think that by talking about it in a approving way, that you in turn will agree that it is truly an issue. Yeah. And, and we've got to do something about shrinkflation. It reminds me of this episode of uh, The Simpsons. I may have talked about this before, but it's, it's so funny how people are so, you know, they, they're so willing to lap up these morsels that uh, the, the media gives them. That, and, and they'll listen to this and they'll say, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's an issue. It reminds me of the, an episode of The Simpsons from a long time ago where um, I guess, you know, you see this, these corporate executives in Hallmark or a Hallmark-type company making greeting cards. And you see this big executive, they're all around the, the boardroom, and the big executive says, we need, you know, the, the profits are going down. We need a new uh, message, perhaps a new holiday to throw in there. Uh, and that way we'll get more people to, to buy our greeting cards. And he's, and then they say, well, what do you mean, sir? What, what kind of? And he says, I don't know, uh, like Love Day, or, but not as, not as lame as that, right? And then it cuts to uh, the Simpsons household, and you see Marge saying to everyone, happy Love Day, <laughs> right? Like right away, they just eat it up. It's fascinating. I think there's something to that when it comes to the media. They, they take uh, an issue, they run with it, and they tell you how to think about it. And if you're not cynical enough, like I am, if not skeptical enough, at least, because that's a better word, I suppose, then you just buy into it. They, 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 it applies to the January 6th thing. It applies to uh, there's good people on both sides thing. There, it applies to uh, Republicans are greedy or racist. All those things uh, that you hear as mantras of the left, they're, they're taught to believe these things, right? It, they, they lap it up because they, nobody wants to feel like they're the only ones thinking about something. So many people just want to be told what to think. They don't want to think, but they, they don't mind being told what to think. You're with me so far? Devin, you agree with me? Is that only because I told you what to think? <laughs> okay, yes. All right. Well, anyway, people do want to be told. The, the, the urge, the desire to, to be told, to, to listen and to lap up what somebody tells you what to believe, it's, it's powerful. It's like that story, I think, of a financial advisor. She's you know, a big player. She got suckered into giving $50,000 in cash and putting it into a shoebox and giving it to a man who claimed to be a CIA operative, I guess, or a secret undercover agent. And uh, he came in a white van and he took her money and, and that was it. Never, she never saw it again, of course. And she had been played. And, but she's a victim of exactly what I just talked about, that People believe what you tell them to believe, not what they, what they want to believe. That's another thing. It, there is some truth to that. Of course, that's another thing. But people want to believe what you tell them to believe. It, it makes them feel like something, somebody is in charge. They, they need that feeling. And you, you're rescuing them from the, the chore. I would even say the burden of thinking for themselves. Yeah. How about that? All right, folks. Like I said, so many crazy things happening in these uh, past couple of days, more likely uh, past 10 days or so. Uh, and we're still awaiting the decision from the judge in Georgia about disqualifying uh, the prosecutor in the, uh, the Trump ballot case and uh, the election interference 
no, the election counting or whatever case, um, it, it's weird. It's a, it's a very weird time, but uh, we're still awaiting for that. Obviously, we'll give you some analysis about that later on. As I said, I think uh, it's definitely going to be that she's going to be disqualified, but we'll see. All right. Uh, don't forget to get uh, my book, Keeping the Kids All Right, How to Make Sure That Your Kids Never Fall Victim to the Woke Culture. And uh, it's a very important book to get, folks. It's it's a time that we cannot assume that the schools are doing anything in our children's interests. In fact, they're doing everything against our children's interests and, for that matter, your interests. So you must do what you can to fight. And uh, this book helps you fight and make it very clear what needs to be done. Get it uh, on Amazon. You can get it on Audible or Kindle or, of course, the paperback version. I prefer the Audible version only because that's the way I do it. But uh, people like paperback as well. So a lot of fun. Uh, Check it out. uh, And and really turn on your friends to this podcast as well. Uh, We are trying to grow it. We've gotten a huge audience already. I'm very proud of it. A lot of you have written to me. Uh, You can always feel free to write me at info at lurie-law.com. That's info at lurie, L-U-R-I-E-law.com. And uh, give me your thoughts. All right, folks. Brock Lurie signing off saying God bless. And we'll talk with you next week.